Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. The number of people using the food bank right now has more than doubled. Helen Donovan, the chief executive officer of Fair Share, said in this interview there is a 61% increase over last year. A growing list of factors contribute to this surge. These include inflation, grocery prices, high cost of rent, number of people living in the community on fixed incomes. Christmas is a particularly rough time for those in need. So the food bank is responding with numerous efforts, and people are generously heeding the call. Still. The solution is not easy, says Donovan. You will want to listen to hear what is going on and who is being impacted. I'm so pleased to have with me today the CEO of the Fair Share Food Bank, Helen Donovan. Welcome back to Consider This. Thanks, Rob. Helen, the inflation rate for Canada is at 7.7%. The cost of groceries, gas, and rent are at record highs. Are you seeing an increase in the number of people who are coming to the food bank? Absolutely, Rob. And this number is going to probably astound you. We have had in our fair share network a 61% increase year over year. That is absolutely stunning. That's more than double the number of people. Can you talk to me about what's going on? Well, I think uh, the rent situation probably is the largest influencer. Uh, Rental properties are scarce, and those that are available are at a fairly high rate. We have new people moving into the community because of prices in the GTA area. So, for example, we're welcoming, uh, on average, 21 new families each month. Um, the wages that people have in many cases with two people working, um, combined with the cost of gas, getting to and from work and the other uh, indicators, as you say, through inflation has just driven people to have to rely on a food bank because there are no other free anythings out there. So in priority, you pay your rent, you pay your light, you pay your gas, you pay your insurance. And at the end of the day, uh, if there's not enough left for groceries, you turn to fair share. When you're talking about a 61% increase, can you give me the actual numbers between this year and last year? This year so far, we have served 25,621 people. And when I say that, that's not individual separate people per se. 
it's the number of people who have come to us multiplied by the number of times that they have come. So on average, we serve about 900 families a month. And those families get food for on average four days a week. So three meals times four uh, days times 900 families. Uh, generally speaking though, coming through our doors, we have about 2,400 people coming every month. With this situation, how are you able to meet the demand well, we do have some support from the county through uh, Food for All, and they in turn get food from Feed Ontario. However, the quantity of that food has been reduced, which in turn is um, forcing us to purchase groceries, which we do. Uh, we are spending now over $40,000 a month in purchased product. The financial support for that does come from the community and the various efforts that we make for food drives. Um, donors are uh, generous. I see it as a partnership. Uh, there's a, a group of us as volunteers who work very hard to get the thing uh, in place and get the food out there. And in turn, we rely on the generosity of donors to make a financial commitment to what we're doing. So. Uh, we're getting it done. Uh, we have to do some uh, rejigging, which we'll do in January. We're going to open uh, in Coburg on a Saturday morning because right now those who are working and who need us can't get to us um, because we only have one evening a week that's available. All of this requires additional volunteers because, as you know, we are totally a volunteer organization. So it's a little bit like the chicken and the egg. We have to get competent, uh, physically capable people to volunteer with us. In turn, we have to get them familiar with the process. And then once we have that in place, we can open our doors more extensively to the people who require some help. There's a lot in there, what you've just said, and I'd like to go back to some of it. But before we move on, I, I would like to talk more about the sourcing of food, because with inflation and, and the price, are, are you when you say you are buying food, I mean, are you, are you like going down to a grocery store and getting a cart or are you do you have access to wholesale? I, I mean, how does that logistically work to get the best okay, bang so for your really buck? Yeah, um, the relationship with several of the food suppliers in the county is quite positive. So, for example, Giant Tiger is uh, very good at letting us know uh, when specials are going to be available and they will order uh, the quantity that they would require themselves plus what we would require. Walmart is also good. The other stores, they all pitch in where and how they can. So uh, if they can give us a, a price break, they do. I have full kudos to the various suppliers. Uh, there's wholesale suppliers outside of the county that we now access because of price point. And not only price point, but also um, availability of product. That's not always available in the quantity that we need. So that's sort of the challenge 
of where to get the best price and where to get the best quantity to meet the needs. Is that someone's job to go out and and to be chasing all this this type of thing? I uh, mean, right, it, it right must now be... it's my husband. <laughs> it's okay. my husband's job. <laughs> no, but it, it it I mean it it's really when you think about it, it's no different than you know us who are listening. I mean, we all scour the flyers and try and find the best price, and we go to the best place. So uh, it's just at a at a much larger scale. Uh, I'm wondering about the role of of food for all. And, and what role they play in supporting you in your efforts? Uh, they provide us with some supplies on a weekly basis from both our Port Hope location and in Coburg. Uh, the process is that someone from both locations go to Food for All and get what they can. Um, Food for All is a county-wide supplier. We refer to it as the Costco of food banks. So they supply the other uh, cupboards and school programs and whatnot in the county. Uh, at this point in time, Fair Share distributes more food to the people who come to us than Food for All distribute to the rest of the county. So our operation, Rob, quite frankly, is a fairly sophisticated business. Uh, everything from uh, marketing, which we have implemented a committee uh, to supply, to distribution, uh, to follow up, to assessing the needs of our uh, of our neighbors. So the business model is uh, alive and well in what used to be not that long ago, just a, a stopgap for people who needed some extra food to get them through the week. In the past, uh, I've heard your predecessors say that it is very hard for people to come to the food bank. And uh, obviously, with the numbers that you've shared today, uh, there has been a, a massive increase. I'm I'm wondering if you could describe for us, I know the last time we spoke, which was uh, not that long ago, you talked about youth, you talked about seniors, you talked about families. These increased numbers, are you seeing any shift in the demographic? Is it the same uh, demographics that continue to come to see you? Or is there some movement that that uh, indicates a trend in a different direction? Quite honestly, there's no one group that is out ahead of any other group. It's right across the uh, demographics in terms of age, marital status, uh, young people, old people, um, people on fixed incomes, uh, they reluctantly rely on us. We have to sort of nudge uh, seniors to take advantage of what we can offer. And uh, we have a program in place specifically for that. So we, we believe that well-fed individuals in the community benefit the community at large. Uh, I'm not able to prove it, but I would think it makes sense that uh, people have enough food to eat. They're not tempted to break and enter to get something that they can sell and get extra money for. I don't know that for sure. I just feel that there's a, uh, an overall, overall wellness to the community if we can keep people well fed. 
You mentioned a program with seniors. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and how that works? Well, it's a select program right now that seniors have been identified from a variety of sources and the program operates separately from the food bank itself. A, a good food box is delivered to seniors who are uh, on fixed incomes and unable perhaps to buy fresh fruit and vegetables because of prices um, in that box. <clears throat> excuse me, there might be um, a magazine or uh, some hand lotion or something that uh, brings it a, a little bit more in the gift category as opposed to um, a food bank driven uh, category. And that's really just to uh, remove any stigma that a senior may have about accessing a food bank. Now, you mentioned earlier about staffing and volunteers. I'd like to explore that a little more now. Can you give us, first of all, a, a si uh, an indication of the size of your uh, group that is currently volunteering, and then tell us a bit more about the needs that you have? Thank you so much for asking that question. We currently have 129 active volunteers in combined Port Hope and Coburg. Many of the people that are volunteering have been doing it for many, many years. Uh, and most of us have gotten to that senior status. So an important strategy for the board right now is to design and implement a succession plan. And in doing so, we realize that the younger volunteer has a, a different profile than let's say my age group. Um, they have less time to commit in a regular basis. They have children that they're bringing to school or sports or whatever. So we're going to implement a program where people can volunteer perhaps on a Tuesday this week and three weeks later on a Thursday. And they'll have a platform that they can sign up for and they can choose the times of day and the location and the task. And that will provide us, I would personally like to double the number of volunteers that we have in the next 18 months, uh, so that everyone who currently exists has at least one backup person. Uh, several, several people work, as my husband and I do, um, in couples. And so the risk of that is that if you lose one person, you may well lose two. Uh, so that's our, our primary focus in January as a board. We're, we're planning to uh, hopefully hire uh, a coordinator starting later in the uh, in second quarter. We've applied for a grant uh, to pay for that. If we have someone that we can uh, have devoted to that particular initiative, then I think for the next three, four years, the organization will be able to uh, be well supported by volunteers. But uh, right now we're, we're scrambling, there's no doubt about it. And I would encourage anyone who feels that they might be able to give some time to go onto our website, www.fairshare.ca 
go to volunteer and we will be contacting you in January. So let us know that you're interested. We'll have a conversation with you. We'll explain to you what it's all about and we'll get your information and see how we can make a match. So um, once again, not only are we relying on the financial support, but we're looking for the volunteer support as well. The cost of Christmas dinner has gone up. Some sources say it is more than what was predicted by economists several months ago, as much as 10 to 15% more than last year. How are food prices impacting the food bank? And in particular, how is it impacting people's ability to have a holiday dinner? Well, anyone who wants a holiday dinner who comes to us will get a holiday dinner. Not always is the turkey the most appropriate uh, main course because some people don't have the appropriate ovens or locations or pots and pans and whatever. But we do a survey in advance and say, what is it that you'd like to have to celebrate the holiday season? And then we, we match up uh, whether it be a ham or a chicken or turkey. Um, and we try and make sure that anyone and everyone who is in need of something to celebrate and celebrate with their family and friends can do so. The, um, the menu is quite extensive. There's the fresh vegetables, there's um, breakfasts, um, there's uh, treats and all that sort of thing. Uh, in addition to whatever we can put in there to make someone's day a little more special. The cost is the cost. And um we don't hold back on uh, on Christmas, making sure that we can make it as pleasant as possible. Which brings me to the holiday meal drive. Can you tell us about this? Um, there are several. Which one are you referring to? One in specific or? Uh, yes, the holiday meal drive, which is being sponsored where people can go in and buy a meal for $20. Oh, okay. So that's what we've called those the turkey tickets for years. Um, we keep it at $20, not because $20 actually provides a meal. Uh, it's sort of like a, a marketing technique, I guess you'd say, like buying a lamb for a, for a family. So uh, it's a reasonable amount to ask someone to donate. Uh, years ago, $20 would have done it. It doesn't now, but we put it into the, the coffers and we take out of the coffers whatever is required to provide that turkey dinner. This is a big time of year in terms of donations. And I see from your social media that you there are many companies and organizations and individuals who are collecting food. How does this compare to other times of the year in terms of collecting food or money? Uh, December month is our biggest month for collections of food and money. In addition, we have great support from the police services of Coburg and Fort Hope in their Cram the Cruiser. So we partner with them. We were there, uh, Giant Tiger and Dollarama last Saturday. Next Saturday, we're in Port Hope and Independent and uh, uh, No Frills, I believe. So they provide us with great support and the people who come and go do their best. Um, I am conscious at this point in time uh, of not wanting people to feel pressured from their own pocketbook. Um, Everyone's feeling the pinch. So uh, it's okay to pass us by if you gave something last week. 
It's okay to put a single tin of soup in instead of uh, a dozen tins. It's really, um, we don't want anyone to, to feel pressured, but we do want to remind people that there is definitely a need. So both financially and for food, um, give what you can and uh, feel good about sharing it with others. December 17th seems to be uh, a big day, or at least it, it's promoted that way as, as a major part of the food drive at this season. Can you tell us a bit about what's going on on the 17th? Um, well, there's two food drives in Port Hope. Uh, that's the only two that I'm aware of from our organization. There may be others uh, being conducted by other agencies. I'm not certain. Um, but Food Basics and um, uh, Independent are the two supermarkets that we are will have a presence. And that's the next one coming up. And that's, that's the end of the food drives then for the season. I noticed that there was a tap to donate in Dollarama and Giant Tiger. This seems very high tech. Can you tell us about this as as uh, as part of your development? Absolutely, uh, happy to because a lot of credit goes to Cameco. In that last year, they donated a fifty thousand dollar amount to us, and quite often when there are donations, the expectation is that the money is going to be spent on food. And that's a reasonable expectation. However, uh, we had an opportunity to speak with some of the senior people at Cameco. And I explained to them that our infrastructure, our technology, uh, all of the support mechanisms of what is now a business were sadly lacking. We needed to upgrade in, in many, many ways. And would they be agreeable to us using at least a portion of that money towards those improvements? And they very graciously said, yes, they understood. They knew that you couldn't improve, you couldn't get more efficient, you couldn't do things better unless you had some investment in, uh, specifically for us, it was health and safety uh, and technology. So what you saw on Saturday is one of the results. Um, the the cost associated with that's already been uh, achieved because there's been donations from people who are there without their checkbooks or cash in their pocket, and they do a tap and off we go. So uh, those are the sorts of, of investments we've made. Uh, I would venture to say pretty much all of them have already had a positive rate of return. The last time we spoke, you referenced hiring someone to help offset some of the responsibilities. Did that happen? We hired a part-time person who is a real gem, I might add. Um, and she is a coordinator between the two. She's the go-to person. Uh, because we're all volunteers coming and going and whatnot, a lot of things can slip through the cracks. So Erin um, Hunter is her name, and uh, she's the point person when you make a phone call, and she will figure out uh, who the person is that you should speak to or pass the message along to or whatever the case might be. And it's been a great help. Uh, she started with us in September. Uh, and in fact, um, she's going to be a, a key component, I think, in the improvements that we make because we now have a base. We have a, um, 
uh, one of our directors and his son uh, is quite fluent in technology. They've established an, an intranet for us. So communications between Port Hope and Coburg and our purchasing people uh, is all online, all our minutes, all our uh, policies and procedures, all of that, which was, you know, in written format and, and here, there and everywhere uh, is now uh, safely held in the cloud and uh, records available in a much more professional manner. This past year has been your 35th anniversary. How did it go? We didn't do a whole lot. Um, I personally, my husband and I hosted a barbecue at our home for the volunteers. Um, and we had a, a cake and uh, toasted with the beverage of your choice. Uh, and we patted each other on the back. We tried very, diff very, very hard to um, make everyone aware in this volunteer community that there is no one person who is more or less important or significant than the other. Um, I'll give you an example. We just had our holiday uh, dinner. We do that once a year around Christmas to acknowledge the volunteers. And um, there's a tendency sometimes to single people out and, and say thank you for this or that. But instead of that, we raised our glasses to each other. We said thank you to each other and we acknowledged the value that each and every one of us brings. And I believe that the team effort is very beneficial and worthwhile. And I think it enhances the experience that the volunteers have when they come to help out and i think that's evident in the fact that they're there more often than than they need to be quite often they uh, they they see the need and they they raise to the the call for sure one of the goals you offered in our last conversation was improving your ability to reach out to people who are in need were you successful in that I don't think we were successful in doing that because they reached out to us. So we didn't have to form a plan. We, we now have a marketing committee and that marketing and community participation is our link between other agencies and other groups of people who on the one hand might need us for assistance and on the other hand might be able to help us with providing assistance. So our strategy is to focus more on a marketing campaign, networking, acknowledging people, getting to know others, telling our story. All of our volunteers have business cards now that they can distribute to get the conversation going. And uh, I think as a result of that, people are learning about a food bank. They're changing some of their prior perceptions and biases associated with people who come to a food bank. And the good news story is, is spreading. And as a result, we're able to help more people. So what's next for 2023? Mm -hmm. um, more of the same uh, as I said our biggest priority right now will be to get a volunteer coordinator and a new approach to volunteer 
service in place. Uh, I will feel comfortable if we can safely say we're all set for the next couple of years at least. We, uh, we may need to look at, at another facility or location. We may need to uh, review how we're doing things and, and rejig some of that. We may need to cut some of our expenses uh, if possible, but the very last thing that we would ever do uh, in order to remain viable is to reduce the support that we provide to the neighbors. So we'll get it done somehow without having to fall to that particular option. With all the economic predictions and all the pressures that are being placed, how confident are you going forward that you're going to be able to meet this incredibly large number of people that keep ending up on your doorstep? I mean, 61% increase is mind-boggling. And it, it, yes. there's, there's, I can't imagine what would turn that around at the moment. So how prepared do you feel with all this pressure coming on you guys going into 2023? I think uh, the election of new councillors and mayors in both communities, once they get themselves settled, I think the topic of uh, poverty within the county has to be addressed at a variety of levels. I think in the past, too much of it has been um, segmented, too many silos, left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing and not working together. So I think there's a opportunity to collectively look at the problem at large. And from some of the candidates that I've spoken with, I think that idea is shared. So I'm hopeful, um, let's say by the end of the first quarter, 2023, there will be a forum established. There'll be a uh, network of interested individuals, caring individuals, along with those individuals who can make something happen. We're not going to erase inflation. We're not going to change what's a worldwide situation. But as long as we are as well prepared as we can be, then that's as good as we can we can be. Does this indicate a, a, maybe a change in posture for the food bank in terms of becoming a voice at the table, maybe a, a more public or a louder voice to encourage uh, a, a greater response like you just described? I would like to see that. Our constitution at this point in time under CRA regulations prevents that. Um, there's not to be a political involvement. I have problems with that, quite frankly, because it's a political issue. So there are a couple of ways around that. I would say a liaison uh, from a food bank or any agency having a strong voice in the community and representing uh, the various requirements of the community from a poverty perspective and putting some pressure on the political base to respond and react. Um, it's a community effort and I think I think for example if I look at the list of donors in this community uh, many of them are influential many of them are 
positioned to have uh, a say and to nudge uh, certain changes to be made. I just think that they're not aware. I just think that um, the more people we can get into the food bank, the more that your listeners hear these kind of statistics, the more information we share with decision makers within the community, um, the, the more they will feel as you feel that, oh my goodness, 61% is, is horrendous. And I would venture to bet that most of the decision makers and politicians in the area are not aware of that number. So to answer your question, I'll be a little noisier in 2023. <laughs> Helen Donovan, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for calling and best wishes for the holiday season. The same to you. That was Helen Donovan, Chief Executive Officer of the Fair Share Food Bank. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.